Welcome to Cellular Agriculture for Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is Sunday, August 23rd, 2020 at 9.12 a.m. And this is episode number 34. Okay, we're going to continue trying to appreciate the morality involved in uh, not just uh, overcoming this pandemic, but preventing future ones. Um, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm addressing the 80 to 90% of us here in the United States, mainly, um, who believe in God or higher power. You know, this, the arguments that I present uh, related to factory farming, especially, um, are secular. They're, um, they're naturalistic, they're scientific. But beyond that, it's, it's the idea that if we believe that we are individually and collectively either rewarded or punished for what we do or don't do, and it seems quite reasonable to expect that because we have collectively been paying people to abuse and often torture 70 billion, over 70 billion farm animals every year, this pandemic is, um, is punishment for that. And, uh, and what we're learning scientifically is that over these next several decades, the rate of pandemics, Will, will likely increase if that's, uh, if we're to go by the last two decades, which, which we had more pandemics, um, substantially more than in the 90s and 80s and before that. So, um, but we're still, we're still trying to understand how it is that, that so many of us here in the United States, throughout the entire world, we're so good in so many other ways. Um, take part in this in this system of, 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 of abuse and really a horrible system of treating these animals. It's not allowed in the Bible. It's probably not allowed in, in other religions. How do we explain that? Back in 1992, a friend of mine um, reminded me of what I knew about the treatment of animals in farms. And um, you know, our conversation went in such a way that at that moment, um, during our conversation, I decided to become vegetarian because, uh, because I could no longer countenance participating in that kind of system. And, um, and for years, I, um, I thought that I was being compassionate enough, um, abstaining from meat and fish, and, and I could continue to, um, to eat dairy and eggs. So then later, I... Um, I did more research and discovered that actually dairy, cows, and egg-laying hens 
often suffer more than the cows and hens that are raised for meat. So, um, so I became a vegan. About, it's got to be about 15 years ago now, perhaps a bit over. And, um, and so the question is, you know, again, so many of you are so good in so many ways. You, you work jobs, you raise families, you care about the world, you contribute to worthy causes, you have pets, you have dogs and cats. How do we understand? How do we understand our, um, our denial of, of, of this, this system? I mean, we, we, can, we can go back historically and, and suggest that before modern science, it may have been universally accepted that eating meat, uh, eating a lot of meat perhaps, was, was absolutely necessary for, for human health and growth. Um, we now know that uh, not only is the eating of meat, dairy, and eggs not necessary to um, growth and development and, and health, but they're actually counterproductive. You know, heart disease is the number one cause of death in the United States. The number one cause of heart disease is meat consumption. You know, with its effect on hypertension, cholesterol, saturated fats. And um, so, back to a theological perspective, it could be that, um, that God waited for us to catch up with the science, you know, and, 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 and really recognize the evil that we're doing by treating those animals so horribly. And um, God thought that we would naturally transition to, uh, well, to becoming vegan, really. Um, so, it, I mean, this is, of course, just hypothetical, but it seems that, that God um, had a different way, an easier way for us. In other words, like, you know, our, our conception of God is that God knows everything. So God knew 20 years ago what's happening today. I mean, God is all-powerful. God, in a sense, is causing it in a, in a, in a complete sense. So, um, so I don't think it's a coincidence that um, in 2013, we um, had our first demonstration of cellular agriculture in the sense of growing meat in labs. Uh, it was a demonstration of, of, of a meat patty, a hamburger patty, that was grown in a lab from cells taken from a biopsy of a cow. Um, now this, this cow for the demonstration happened to have been already dead because um, I think the laws in the Netherlands where the, the uh, experiment was undertaken prohibit taking biopsies from um, live animals, I believe. But, but the important point is that small biopsy, you know, theoretically, you can take a, a few cells from a live chicken or live cow, even the feather of a chicken, 
you know, and then like put it in a medium and through a technology that really developed from tissue, tissue culturing and medicine, you know, how they're able to grow tissue for grafting, et cetera, uh, different organs. And um, so that's how it developed. And, and now we have this industry, you know, that began in 2013 when Mark Post delivered his historic presentation in London. And there are about 40 to 50 startups now racing to see who will be first to introduce these uh, much healthier, cruelty-free, lab-grown meat products that also represent our only reasonable way of avoiding future pandemics. I say our only way because uh, efforts to develop universal vaccines that, get, that work against most strains of virus, most kinds of virus like coronavirus and influenza, influenza and, and, and bacterial strains uh, of infection. These kinds of vaccines are at least 10 years, perhaps 20 or 30 years away. So, so basically we have a choice. Um, of continuing to support and condone this extremely cruel system that generates the conditions. You know, I've talked about this in, in, in other shows. Let me just remind you, previous episodes, that this coronavirus is zoonotic and these pandemics, Ebola, Zika, uh, avian flu, swine flu, they are zoonotic in that they come from animals. They come from birds or pigs or cows. There was mad cow disease some time ago. And, um, and that's why the only way we're going to be reasonably safe from future pandemics. And, and, and when I say reasonably, I'm, I'm saying at least 95% safe. That's according to an expert that I, um, that I um, was able to um, access recently. And um, so if that's, you know, if that's what we're facing, it's not just a matter of, of um, from a theological moral pr perspective, stopping abusing, paying people to abuse and torture these animals to appease God's wrath. You know, it's, you know that's the theological, from a scientific, very naturalistic perspective, if we, want any reasonable chance of, of staying free. And again, a, a, a wonderfully, you know, almost virtually ideal chance. Uh, we will, again, stop farming, stop farming animals, both factory farms and family farms. You know, here in the United States, about 99% of the farming of animals takes place in factory farms. Across the world, it's a bit different, but even, even here in the United States, the 1% of, of um, farming animals and family farms and all, that still represents a risk that's unnecessary. And, and you know, family farming is not, you know, free from cruelty also. I mean, you know, um, I mean if you want to, you know, these, these animals, they're contained. You know, they don't live natural lives, even in the... the kindest of farms. 
and so um, so we're very fortunate that um, that we have this cellular agriculture as a means of, of appeasing God's wrath and of creating very essentially a pandemic-free world. Now, let's, um, I, I think I want to talk politics now. Um, basically, the reason why these factory farms exist because our is because our political system allows for um, major corporations, the, the livestock industry, the dairy industry, the egg industry, to basically set up the rules. They, they essentially pay our politicians. They, um, they donate huge campaign contributions. And with that, our elected officials are not representing our welfare. Uh, they're representing the, the, the needs and desires of this industry. So considering, considering how serious this pandemic is, you know, we've been closed now, our society, for months. Um, the Congressional Budget Office estimated that when this is done, we will have spent $8 trillion. And that's probably a conservative estimate. And that's, that's just in the United States. And considering that we may be in this for the next several years, and some experts are now saying that this will move from being a pandemic to being an endemic situation, that will be, that there won't be an answer, you know, that we may not get a vaccine. And even if we do have a vaccine, there are only sometimes, you know, between 20 and 60% effective. And, and so we'll be dealing with this for years. That's, that's, that's what we're facing in addition to facing the risk of, of other pandemics. Again, they're accelerating um, as, as we, I think partly it's because of climate change, partly it's because of increased population, increased air travel, increased deforestation. There, there are reasons related to our advanced civilization that that tell us that these are going to be increasing and you know we may get a pandemic that's much more virulent than um this, than this coronavirus so considering all that um you know let's go to let's go directly to trump you know he he says he cares about this country he sa says he cares about the health of people in this country. Well, if he does so, then he should be encouraging the funding of this new industry. And if, and if he refuses to do that, then you know that he doesn't care. Because again, this is our only option. And it's not just him, it's the Democrats also. The Democrats can really you know, have him take the lead on this, or they can lead themselves through Congress, at least through the House, um, so that we get political action. You know, we've got an election coming up in uh, less than three months, and um, 
and I think it's an ideal time for, for our country to look at um, how we got into this pandemic and what we need to do to get out. So, um, so again, I've been advocating based on the congressional, I mean, this is a, such a conservative amount to invest. It may seem to many like a huge, huge investment, but I've been advocating for $50 billion um, immediately, I mean, you know, presumably because Trump is, you know, does not care about people, this can only begin happening when Biden is inaugurated, God willing. But, but once that happens, you know, this, this $50 billion should be released, you know, within a year. And we shouldn't wait, you know, this sh it shouldn't be over a span of 10, 15 years. It should be immediately. And the reason I say this is the, because it represents such a, a, a minute percentage of what this current crisis pandemic is costing us. Again, the Congressional Budget Office estimated that we'll be spending $8 trillion at least to deal with the effects of this in the United States. So this $50 billion represents only one half of 1% of what we're spending on this pandemic. I think it's consummately affordable, consummately wise to make this investment. So that is, that's what we're called upon to do. And uh, let's return to the morality. Um, again, it, it, we could have been in a much worse situation. We could have been in a situation where that discovery in 2013 did not happen, where the only way we would be free of pandemics would be to all go vegan. And I'm kind of wondering if that's not actually a better option. Um, but, you know, knowing people, the way they are, the, the way so many people have completely ignored the, uh, the welfare of, of animals and just apparently, you know, believe that they need meat, you know, to sustain their health and growth. Um, it seems a reasonable approach to both encourage veganism as the ideal, but also fast track this industry, you know, make, at the rate of investment, there's about 40, 50 startups that are um, racing to, to basically bring the price down so that you know, their products would be competitive because they've already made chicken nuggets. They've made uh, fish products, you know, duck products. They already know how to do this in labs. It's just a matter of scaling up you know, to, to make them um, marketable, competitive in, in the meat and dairy and egg market and fish. And, um, and so at the rate of investment, there's about a billion and a half dollars invested in this industry right now. And, and, and at that rate, you know, industry insiders predict that it may take 10, 15 years for us to, um, to meet the research challenges that uh, research development, engineering, to scale up, to, to have these products finally emerge in supermarkets at affordable prices. We can do that, at which time we'll be basically living in dread of the next pandemic, or if we're unfortunate, as, as we have been recently, uh, experience a, another pandemic. 
So between now and in 10, 15 years, it's quite reasonable that another pandemic would emerge based on, again, the last two decades. And um, so given that, if we spend, let's say, $50 billion starting, you know, Biden would be inaugurated in January, starting in February, you know, release those funds to the researchers, the biologists, the engineers, the food production experts, um, the chemists, release those funds, and it's reasonable to expect that we could have these products on supermarket shelves in, in as few as three years. And I say this because the, the challenges that, that are faced by this industry are really not comparable to, for example, the challenge of developing a vaccine for a pandemic. And for example, for that kind of progress, you know, the, the, the fastest a pandemic has ever gone to market was in response to the 1957 pandemic, and that took four years. Okay, so now, you know, there's about 150 different companies or different, you know, attempts at creating this virus all over the world and, and billions of dollars are going into this research because of this, because of the expenditure, because of the, the, the focus. So many people are working on this now. We expect to have a vaccine in as, as, as little as a year. So what would ordinarily um, might take 10, 15, 20 years or never happen, you know, we, we still don't have a vaccine for, for AIDS, HIV, so what, what ordinarily takes so long or, or doesn't happen at all, we can, we're making happen in a year, perhaps a year and a half. So if we can do that, the, the challenge is again to, to scale up um, and meet the, the research challenges of cellular agriculture um, are, are much easier. And so, all right, so that, that is, uh, we, you know, if we're wise, if we're good, We'll, we'll make this an issue. We'll make this the fundamental, the premier issue of this campaign. In other words, like if Trump wants to talk about QAnon and these conspiracy theories, we can't allow that. We have to direct him, we have to direct the Republican Party, we have to direct the, the Democratic Party on not just ending future pandemics, but ending this pandemic. And, uh, and again, going back to the theology, you know, if this pandemic is, is punishment for our continuing to, uh, to pay people to abuse and torture over 70 billion land animals each year, then, um, then we may need to, um, we may need to, to transition to end farming animals, family and, and, and factory farming in order to, uh, for God to uh, forgive us for this, you know, by, by um, lifting this pandemic. You know, it's not certain that we'll find a vaccine. You know, I've heard reports that there were expected to go in and out of shutdowns, lockdowns, openings, back and forth for two, three, four years. So, um, so again, it's not just about developing a technology, fast-tracking the technology, that can keep us as safe as 
we can possibly be and very probably as safe as we need to be for future pandemics. This may be about actually, again, in a theological logical sense, appeasing God, you know, um, showing ourselves worthy of this uh, reprieve, this forgiveness. So uh, again, that's what you can do. Um, don't allow Trump, don't allow the politicians to distract us with uh, you know, voter fraud and postal conspiracies. And uh, you know, again, they're, they're, they're just, you know, I mean, it, it's evil what they're doing. They're, you know, they're, paying, they're not paying attention to the pandemic. Um, Trump uh, continues to refuse to fund the fight sufficiently. We still don't have enough masks and tests and we're not investing nearly as much as we should be in in addressing this the economic impacts you know so um so again let's let's take this challenge upon ourselves we have an election coming up um the the country is paying attention the world is paying attention because this this industry is not just limited to the United States. Basically, this will have to be a Manhattan project involving the entire world, that not only do we here in the United States have to end the farming of animals, we have to gain the agreement of every country in the world to do the same. And that is a monumental task, but it's a necessary task. I, I don't, we don't have a reasonable alternative. So, um, so let's, take the opportunity of this election to hold Trump's feet to the fire on this. Let's not tolerate his diverting our attention with, with um, often baseless conspiracy. I mean, he, he actually you know, has touted the, the uh, belief that this coronavirus is a hoax. And uh, you know, for months he did that. I don't know if he's, he's on board. I mean, it, uh, so we, you know, we cannot, as good people, if we want to, 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 to earn our forgiveness, if we want to have a, a world that's safe for our children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren from these pandemics that will otherwise basically um, wreak havoc on our civilization, we need to act. And so it's a perfect time to act this, this, um, this election. If you know of a politician, talk to him about this, you know, explain to him, to them, the importance of, uh, of our uh, doing this. Okay, so we've got about a minute left. Watch this every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. on White Plains Community Media, channel 76. If you get Optimum 45, you get Verizon. The pot, um, this show is also now in an audio version on Spotify, and iTunes and several other podcast deliverers. And um, again, this is episode number 34. We'll continue going over this until you understand this well enough and, um, and understand the urgency and um, the absolute necessity of transitioning from farming animals to the cellular agriculture. And you know, ideally, or or going vegan, you know, because I think many of us will, many more of us will uh, choose to go vegan. All right. Well, I hope you you're having a great Monday, 
and God willing, I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching.